by Passion Church, the DeSoto County campus, the fun church in Horn Lake, Mississippi. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church. Happening Passion Church. Huh? So, that's fine. I might be little, but I got a big God inside of me. Yeah. So, the past couple weeks in uh, the youth, by the way, I'm Daniel Pierce, if you don't know me, and I get the pleasure and honor of being with our youth every Wednesday and giving them words from God. And uh, the past couple weeks, this is kind of my first series I ever did, and it was on intimacy. And uh, tonight is the finale. So I named it the intimacy finale. But finally, right? Say that, youth. The intimacy finale, but finally. I'm sure they're probably ready to be out of this one anyway. But the past couple weeks I taught on that. Um, The first message we learned what intimacy was, because I know a lot of them, especially if you think you know, you know about, you know, that's what they said whenever I said we were teaching on you, you know. But it's uh, defined simply as close familiarity or friendship. So it's closeness. We learned that's what Adam and Eve lost in the garden that day when they, they, you know, sinned and they got kicked away and they didn't get to walk with God in the cool of the day anymore. We had also learned that uh, Adam was the one, you know, in the beginning in Genesis when it talks about all the creation, he spoke everything into life. And then he gets to Adam, or man, he says, let's create it, but he he doesn't just say it. And then it comes, he goes over, picks up some dirt, molds him up, and then blows his breath into his nostrils. So Adam's very first breath was the direct breath of God. That's pretty close. If, you know what I mean? To me, that seems like some pretty close. And we also learned that Noah found favor with God from walking closely with him. So when everything went chaotic and God repented that he even made man, there was one man, and then got his whole family saved by walking close with God. He was in close fellowship with God daily is what it says. So... Uh, we learned that. The next week, we learned that worship, worship is a great way to intimacy, and it's a two-part tool because not only does God want to be worshipped, he says in, uh, was it Romans fourteen eleven that one day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess and praise the Lord's name. So he's going he's gonna to get worshipped at the end of it by everyone. That's what he wants. That's what he longs for. And that, uh, also, with worship, it's a 
powerful weapon of warfare, spiritual warfare. So not only does it bring you close to God, but it helps you conquer things and beat things. The walls of Jericho fell down by a shout of praise. You know, the, Paul and Silas was in the jail in the prison, and they prayed, the, they worshiped in the midnight hours, and the chains fell off, and they got freed, but they didn't even leave. They just stayed and witnessed and preached and got everybody that they could saved. But they, they, didn't, they weren't never worried about facing persecution or anything because their worship was their warfare. Then last week, we learned that, you know, uh, purity. Purity is a way of, work, of intimacy. Because Proverbs 22.11 says, Whoever loves a pure heart and gracious speech will have a king as a friend. And we want the king of kings as our best friend. And that's where we get close to him. We say, pure, he asks us to be holy, for he is holy. And... We, I taught him that on uh, Joseph because Joseph, uh, here you go, thank you, sweetheart. Because Joseph, uh, he avoided, he avo- avoided the temptation of Potiphar's wife by staying diligent at his calling with God. He stayed working all the time and avoided her, didn't listen to her at all costs. He stayed away from it, but mainly he stayed busy in his calling with God. And we compared it to King David and Bathsheba. King David was lounging around the house at the time when kings were supposed to be at war. So he wasn't staying diligent to his calling at that time. And so, you know, we learned that if you stay diligently working at what God's called you to do, you're better off. He's going to keep you close and you're going to, you know, be less apt to fall to the temptation. And it rolls us into this week, which is going to be on passion. And, uh... We're going to learn on this from Luke 15, which is the story of the prodigal son. Oh, yeah. Also, on uh, David, you know, I kind of told him, you know, he stayed busy, but even though he fell to the temptation with Bathsheba and he had to pay consequences and lose that child, that, that after, after that he repented and he came back to God and he was sorry and, you know, uh, the next son that him and ba- her, uh, yeah, him and Bathsheba had was Solomon, and God used him greatly. So it's always when you mess up, you're just one step away, turning around back toward where you need to be and getting it right, and God will use you anyway. And that's also, I mean, it just wraps right into the passion message. Passion and intimacy seem like they no doubtfully go hand in hand. I'm going to preach this one from my phone because I like the amplified version. I like the New Living Translation too, but the amplified version just amps it up. Yeah, you got it? Yeah. Which, Which, you know, I feel like God's bringing this church into a new season of amped upness in the Passion Church. Last night at prayer was more amped up probably than it's been in a little while. Um, I just feel it, man. There's all kinds of stuff God showed me that's like we're coming into a new season of just amazing revival. 
And the finale, and this message, man, I was so pumped up last night, yesterday morning. I was pacing him. I was like, are you that pumped up? I was like, you have no idea. And I wanted to tell her. I'm like, I just can't ruin it for you. It's going to be it's pretty good. <laughs> she thinks I'm crazy anyways. It's all right. Let's see. I gotta catch up with myself in the notes so I don't get this wrong. Which I think I should be all right. Luke 15, verse 11. There we are. See, we're gonna go all the way through this, but I'm gonna make some pauses. All right, then he said, and this is Jesus talking teaching this parable. And he had already taught two parables about the same thing, the lost coin and the lost sheep. But then he, to reiterate it, he gets to this third story. He's uh, making his point, driving this point home with this story. And then he said, a certain man had two sons. The younger of them inappropriately said to his father, give me the share of the property that falls to me. So he divided the estate between them. A few days later, the young son gathered together everything that he had and traveled to a distant country, and there he wasted his fortune in reckless and immoral living. Now, if you're going to have intimacy, which is closeness to God, you can't, you can't squander your, your inheritance away if you're close. So he went to a distant land so he didn't, wouldn't be around them. You know what I mean? When you get born again into, into the kingdom of the Lord and you get your adoption for inheritance, it's an inheritance for heaven. But this child wanted to spend his inheritance now. He was wanting to, you know, just like, you know, you think I got this freedom, I can do what I want because Jesus died for me sometimes. You know, there's people that get like that. It talks about it in Hebrews 11. But that's what the prodigal son did. He, I want my inheritance now. So he went off to a distant land, a secret place kind of. You know, he went somewhere where he could do in secret, hide what he, you know, his family wasn't going to see, and the people that knew how he was supposed to act weren't going to be able to see how he was misbehaving, you know, because he knew in his heart he was about to go crazy and be on the wrong, you know. So he had to get to a distant country in a distant land. And he, uh, you can't do that with your in a relationship of intimacy. Oh, yeah. And also, he was the younger brother. So if there's two brothers, he was the younger brother, which is, you know, whenever you very first get born into God, you're the younger brother. Or you could be younger just in age. You know, it could be either ways. But at those times, when you're in your new beginning of your walk with the Lord, or you're just young naturally in the world and you don't have all the wisdom and knowledge that your elders do that's the time where you're in a you know crucial state of of attack to 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 get it wrong and misinterpreted so that the devil can try to get you off into a distant land and squander your inheritance because he doesn't want he wants to still kill and destroy it you know he don't want you to have it he don't want you to grow and then work against his kingdom because he's trying to build his kingdom above God's kingdom and God ain't having it. But, so, we get to 14. 
Now when he had spent everything, a severe famine occurred in that country, and he began to do without and be in need. So when he went and so he went and forced himself on one of the citizens of that country who sent him into the fields to feed pigs. He would have gladly eaten the carob pods that the pigs were eating, but they could not satisfy his hunger, and no one was giving anything to him. So he spent everything. He lived his way till all his gifts from his father were gone, his peace, his joy, his freedom. And we heard in that song, the Lord, the world didn't give it and the world didn't take it away, can't take it away, but you can squander it away. You can, you can, you know, get out of that intimacy long enough that, that you lose it and you, you don't know where it's at, you can't find it. So, he, you know, he was empty. He was back to the empty spot, back to where he was in the beginning when he was longing for the substance in the first place, the, the you know, I want my inheritance now type thing. Dad, give me my inheritance. And then he squandered it all away, and now he's back at square one again, pretty much. Now I need something. So these carob pods, that's, I looked those up because I always thought, you know, he's going to eat pig feed. Well, for one thing, in the parable when Jesus is talking to Jews, it was gross to them that he would even be around the pigs because they're a ceremonially unclean animal. So, and this is still right before, you know, it's before Jesus died, so they were still in the sacrifice thing, and you can't come in to even make your sacrifices if you're ceremonially unclean. So he was at a point, to them in this parable, he's at a point where he can't even go to the altar He's got to get ceremonially clean before he could even come back to a sacrifice, to, to, back to repentance. They, you know, your sacrifice of your goat is your repentance. So he had to get ceremonially clean before he could even, so he's like double backslid almost, you know. But these carob pods, it's pig feed. That's what I was thinking. You know, every time I've read it, I think, you know, he's, he's so hungry, he's going to eat some pig feed. But I looked it up. These carob pods are actually like pretty nutritious. They they use them to uh, make a chocolate substitute in candy bars in that area. And it's I mean it's a dark color. It looks like chocolate. From what I read, it's still sweet and it's almost I mean just as good as chocolate. But it's a substitute. And I was thinking that it's a substitute. You can't substitute the Lord and get any kind of the same fulfillment as you can when you have the real thing. So, so there was no way it was gonna satisfy the hunger inside, even if he ate the carob pods, because he wasn't hungering for bread alone, but for, he needed the words from his father, the, every word out of the word of God. He needed that kind of substance. And, and no one was gonna give him anything because he was in the world. He wasn't around the Passion Church and his church family where people got unctionings from the Lord to, hey, my brother needs some help here. Let me help my brother out. He was, he was in a distant land, far, far from where he needed to be. But when he finally, say, but finally, but finally when he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired men have more than enough food while I'm dying here of hunger? 
I will get up and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Just treat me like one of your hired men. So, it's about to get real good, too. Look, so he got to that point where he was like, I'm I'm not even worthy to be your son. He was ready to work for it now. You know what I mean? He wanted just his inheritance at first. He didn't want to work for it. He was in that David-type scene whenever he was just wanting to lounge around the castle and enjoy it, you know? He, he was, but now he's done got to the point where he's ready to work for it. He's ready to be a servant. He said, I might, I might as well go back and be a servant because at least as a servant, I'm going to get more satisfaction, more substance, and I'm getting right here away from God and out of this intimacy. At least I'll be by him. So he got up and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was moved with compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. Man, that part to me, I've been in a lost and distant land. And thank God I might still be a far way off from where I need to be, but my father comes running to me, embracing me, kissing me, loving me. You can't replace a love like that. That's... You might, it's like whenever Paul says, I'm going to persevere and press toward the mark. You might be, you don't know how far you think you are, but I always feel like I'm way far from the mark than I need to be. But, But my father sees me a long way off. He may, I mean, think about this, too. He was in a distant land, so then you might have to come a long ways and to still be a far way off, you know? You ever feel like, man, I've done so much. I've come this far, and I still feel like I'm getting nowhere. It's all right. Your father sees you, and he's going to come running the rest of the way to you, embrace you. Not only does he embrace him, he puts a robe. He tells him, quickly, bring out the best robe for the guest of honor and put it on him. Give him a ring for his hand and sandals for his feet and bring the fattened calf. Slaughter it and then tell everybody, come feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was as good as dead and is alive again. He was lost and has been found. So they began to celebrate. So he's going to man throw a big old shindig for you, Joe. Big one. You know, he's going to put the party on the fattened calf, light up the grill, son, get him the robe, get him a ring, dress him back up nice. He smells like pigs, man. Just put it, got to clean him up, get him right. He was almost, he was dead. He was as good as dead. Now he's alive. He was good as found. Now his older son, say the other brother, the, the other brother, he was in the field. And when he returned and approached the house, he heard music and dancing. So he summoned one of the servants and began asking what this celebration meant. And he said to him, your brother has come and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has received him back safe and sound. And the other brother became angry and deeply resentful and was not willing to go in. And his father came out and began pleading with him. But he said to his father, look, these many years I have served you and I have never neglected or disobeyed your command, yet you have 
you ha you've never given me so much as a young goat so then I might celebrate with my friends. But when this other son of yours arrived who had devoured your estate with immoral women and slaughtered the fat, you slaughtered the fattened calf for him. The other brother was a little jealous, you know? He didn't like it. He felt, he, I don't know, I felt like that before too sometimes. I feel like, man, well, the way God put it to me is, especially with my children sometimes, because they're our brothers and sisters in Christ. When we get there, they're not, I don't think they're going to, they're all God's children, right? So he's like, you know, you feel like, man, I done changed my life around. Been out here trying to set the best example I can for them. You know, do my part, do what I can. And they run off and squander it anyway, you know, like the other brother. But I got to always remember that he's, this God's kid, not my kid. You know what I mean? When he comes back home, he's going to come back home. Jesus ain't going let to him, let him just wander out there for forever. You know, the pastor said when we was at the jail Sunday night, Jesus is the shepherd. You know, he's got the, that staff and a bow, the big old whooping stick and the staff. He's gonna whoop the wolves off of them, and then when they start, when the sheep's run off, he's gonna grab them with the staff and bring them back in. It's all in his hand, and that's what the father said to the son: "You are always with me, and all that is mine is yours." But it was fitting that we celebrate and rejoice for this brother of yours was as good as dead and begun to live, and was lost and is now found. The part he said. You were, son, you were always with me, and all that is mine is yours. And he was like, he was always with me. Why, why didn't you just ask for a goat if you wanted a goat to go celebrate with your friends? And then I looked up some scriptures, and I found, I, look, I do like Pastor Dawson. I get the Google out, looking at the Google. All right, I got to get my bookmarks. I'm not that good at this technological stuff. All right, I found like, I'm not going to read every one of them. But Matthew 18 says, Again, I say to you, if two of you agree on earth about anything they ask, it will be done for them by the Father in heaven. Matthew 21 says, And whatever you ask in prayer, you will receive if you have faith. John 14, whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. John 15, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. And I mean, it goes on, there's at least, well, there's probably like 14 more of them just ask. Ask in my name. If you got faith and you're in that intimacy with me, if you're, you're right there and I'm right here. You've been with me the whole time. That's what you're telling You've been with me the whole time. And whatever I have is yours. So even the son got jealous. He was mad. And he was like, look, dude, just look. You've been here the whole time. Whatever I have is yours. Just ask. But it was fitting that we celebrate and do it. Man, and that's like Miss Angie talked about 
in prayer, how Moses asked to see him, and he showed himself. I don't know. We always get thinking like God's some big authority figure, which he is, but like a, I don't know. I know I feel like it a lot. Like he's like this just critiquing everything I do, you know, like, oh, boy, you messed that up. Oh, you messed that up. And then I get the feeling like, oh, man, I'm out here messing this thing up. But when I read it, man, I don't know. When I read this, especially the when he f- saw him a far way off, yeah, that's awesome to me because that just gives me the courage. Like, as long as I'm heading that way, man, as long as you're heading that way, he's, he's running to you. He loves you so much that he's running to you with an embrace and a kiss and a robe and a ring and some sandals. He'll give you everything. The other brother was there. You're coming back into that spot where the other brother was. You're gonna, you're there, you know? So I ended up blowing through it a little faster than I thought. I was just too excited. I gotta learn how to slow down a little bit. And then Joe said we get wide open. <laughs> we get wide open with it. <laughs> Joe, you wanna come up here and finish? <laughs> oh yeah, I do got I'm glad I look back at my notes. So so but anyway, so the the, the thing is on intimacy and passion, right? And you know, you can't. You can have passion. You can have passion for a lot of things, but if you don't put your passion toward the right purpose, it's going to get you in trouble. Like the the prodigal son at the beginning, he put his passion toward what he wanted, and not toward the Lord, toward the intimacy with the Lord. So if you put your passion toward your intimacy with God and toward serving the Father, I mean, it's going to be real hard to, to, get, to get out of that unless you just choose to go to a distant land pretty much. Like we learned last week with Joseph, he stayed intimate, you know, with God. He stayed close and working at his calling. And he, he, he didn't, you know, he got his dreams. He got his dreams. So, and that's awesome. I just came to me think of the, the Joseph story, right? So if you go back to Joseph and uh, Potiphar's wife, I mean, that's, that story right there didn't just turn out so well for Joseph because he got thrown in prison because uh, Potiphar's wife had his robe in her hand and called rape on him, and they believed him. Potiphar believed him, threw him in prison, but the Lord's favor had never left him. So while he's in prison, still continuing working diligently at his calling, then he becomes like the leader of the prison dudes. And Potiphar, by the way, if you don't know, was the captain under Pharaoh. So he's like one of Pharaoh's main guys. And then Potiphar had given Joseph, I mean, Potiphar didn't worry about nothing at his house because of Joseph. And then now the prison guard ain't worrying about nothing going on in the prison because of Joseph. And in that point, Joseph got to 
use God. God got to use Joseph to interpret some dreams for Pharaoh, and then Pharaoh, then Joseph got to the point where he was the next the only dude above him in the whole country of Egypt was Pharaoh. It was Pharaoh, Joseph, and then whoever else you want to talk about. Everybody answered to Joseph first, and Joseph answered to Pharaoh. So he stayed in that intimate relationship and got, got the dream come true that God had given him, saying that all your brothers and all that are going to bow to you because he was the leader of Egypt. So that intimacy, an intimate relationship with God, that's my intimate finale. But, man, every message I've ever studied out or every scripture I've ever studied out, just pretty much that's all God calls you to is an intimate relationship with him. I think it's John 17:3. Well, I've said this a bunch of times lately. John 3:16. Everybody knows. For God so loved the world, He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believeth in Him shall not perish, but have eternal life. John 17:3 says He's up there praying, and He says, "Lord, um, it's a long prayer, but He gets to the point. And he's like that they, you know, it's time this come for the." Son to be glorified so that you can be glorified, glorify the Son or whatever so you can be glorified so that, that everybody may have eternal life. And he says, and this is eternal life, that they might know you, that they might know you the way I know you and that they might know me the way you know me. I mean, you know, you know me from being up there in heaven. They know me coming down here to earth. I want, we got to have this knowing, but it's all about a knowing, about the intimacy. So, I mean... As it, that in, an intimacy series, every every message you ever hear is an intimacy. Thanks for listening to the podcast today. We hope you enjoyed it and that it inspires you to live out God's word. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church. Hey,